Now, get your tornado safety report. As Aaron so aptly said, it's good to be prepared. He cooked for a week on his grill at his house. <laughs> of course, up in Tennessee, where tornadoes do not hit, we had power. We didn't lose power. <laughs> the, the moral to that story is, if you get hit and get hard, hit hard, come up north, where, and we'll take care of you. We do. <laughs> Hopefully, we do have enough supplies and so forth to take care of folks. So. Seriously, it is good to be prepared here in an area where natural disasters do happen. So, anyway, this morning we're in 1 Samuel chapter 3. In chapter 2, God has sent uh, one of his people, a prophet, to warn Eli about his priestly behavior. And this prophet has told Eli and his sons, you kick against God's, you kick against his method of sacrifice, you kick against his offerings that are given here at the tabernacle, and Eli, you and your sons cause Israel to transgress, and they transgress where they're supposed to be worshiping, and how offensive that is to God. Whenever we sin, that's bad enough, right? And uh, we all do, and we all hopefully repent. But when our behavior causes others to sin, you walk in a precarious place. You walk in a path contrary to God. And God is personally offended when believers, priests, pastors, teachers, if in any way we cause people to sin, God notices that. Eli and his sons are dragging down their fellow Jews with their sinful behavior, and this causes our loving and gracious God to declare something very startling. And he says, I desire to kill Eli's sons. Now, that's not just a bad outlaw in town. That's God himself saying that. I desire to kill Eli's sons. Because Eli, he will not heed the prophet's warnings. He won't listen to the man of God that was sent to him. And it's said of Eli that he honors his sons more than God. Now, we're to love our families. Don't ever think we're not. But you don't love them above God. God takes that number one priority serious, and he says, Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, first and first foremost. Years ago... My youngest son came home from summer break at college. He was enjoying the party life that fraternities offered. And we had a difference when he came home. 
He arrived home with both ears pierced and earrings in them. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. Well, it was to Dad. <laughs> I said, son, take out the earrings. No arguments, just take them out. He also didn't like attending church. Yeah, he didn't want to go to church with Dad because Dad went to a Calvary chapel, and you know how Calvary chapels can be. they got some strange folks in them, but not here. <laughs> and he sat next to one of these strange folks, and this young man that he sat next to, he said, Daddy stared at the side of my head through the whole service. I said, that's because he liked you, son. <laughs> But we had a little talk, my son and I, and I basically said, son, here's how it is. You live here with dad. Dad goes to church on Sunday. You're going to go to church on Sunday. End of conversation. Now, just a couple months back, my son reminded me of this confrontation that we had when I suggested that he lighten up on one of my grandsons, one of his sons, he said, Dad, you remember. <laughs> Back to Eli. <laughs> this prophet lays out for Eli his family's future. And he says, Eli, basically your family will not live long nor prosper. And the reason for that, Eli, is because you honor and respect your sons more than God. So let's look at chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, and uh, we'll read the whole chapter. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread Revelation, And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. For you call me, and he said, I did not call. Lie down again, and he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. And he answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, so he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lay down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And, he, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hear it will tingle. 
And in that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offerings forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli his vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And then the first half of verse 1 of chapter 4. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. It's very critical that we notice foremost here, Samuel ministered to the Lord, not for the Lord. I propose to you that Samuel was very w- aware of all the sin that's going on there at the tabernacle, all the hypocrisy, the sin of the Eli's sons, and even the sin of Eli the high priest. And Samuel has now lived there at tabernacle for some years, uh, at least most Scholars estimate it's been several years since Hannah left Samuel off there. What has Samuel, what has he witnessed there at Tabernacle? Well, he's witnessed that Hophni and Phinehas, he knows that they're corrupt. And he knows that Eli, the high priest, allows this corruption to go on. And the things that Eli's son did at the door of the tabernacle, it was an abomination. And in chapter 2, 22, these sons lay or had fornication with the women who assembled at the entrance to the tabernacle. And these sons caused worshipers to hate, to abhor the offerings and sacrifices that are made to the Lord. Israel, as a people, were separated unto God. God called them out to be his people. Part of their culture, part of their life, was worship at tabernacle. It was a mainstay of their Jewish faith. Elkanah and Hannah, the parents of Samuel, 
would make their yearly trek up to Shiloh. They would do a pilgrimage to Shiloh to bring offerings and sacrifices. Now, the Jewish religion is built around four feast holidays. It's part of their inbred culture. And these corrupt priests Eli of Eli, his sons, they have by their extreme transgression caused the people to hate coming to tabernacle. If you hated coming to church, I venture to say you probably wouldn't be here. But in that culture, it was part of their life to go to tabernacle and they hated it because of the sins of the sons. And as a youth, Samuel is like all youth. Hypocrisy is readily noticed. Did you notice the hypocrisy perhaps in some religious figure in your life? I was hard on my parents. I really was. <laughs> and Samuel, he's there in a corrupt environment. But yet we read, Samuel ministered to the Lord amongst all the corruption and hypocrisy. Samuel was a blessing for God to look upon there at Tabernacle. And we find God who will now speak to Samuel, calling to Samuel, bypassing the high priest. And he's going to speak to a young boy. Three times God calls out to Samuel audibly. So audibly that he runs to Eli and says, what do you want? I'm here, you know, and uh, you call me. Eli finally catches on and realizes that Samuel, Samuel is being called by the Lord. And he says, go lay down, Samuel. And when the Lord calls you, here's how you answer. You say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And that was good advice. And God even calls to Samuel the fourth time. Samuel, Samuel. We can become desperate for God to speak to us when we face a crisis or when we desperately need God's direction. And we'll do almost crazy things to try to prepare our heart to hear from the Lord, uh, somehow make us sensitive to God's voice. Notice, God is not impatient with Samuel. He calls him four times. Three times he didn't know it was the Lord, and the fourth time he did. In, the, in verse 10 it says, The Lord came and stood nearby and called as the other times. What did Samuel have to do to hear from God? Listen. That's all he had to do. All he had to do was just listen. He didn't have to fast and pray. 
He didn't have to do anything except lay down in bed and wait for God to speak to him. Notice God's word to Samuel. I will tell you things that will make your ears tingle and all of Israel's ears to tingle. Samuel, I'm going to speak things to you that are exciting. And Samuel, I will perform against Eli, the high priest, all that I have spoken against him and his house. Verse 13 and 14, God told uh, Eli, I, God, will judge your house forever because of all the iniquity. Iniquity is just purposeful sin. Because of your sins, Eli, and the sins of your sons. We read that Eli's sons made themselves vile. And Eli did not restrain them. Eli's sin is accepting his son's sins. He probably didn't approve. He probably give lip service to stopping them, but he didn't take any measures to stop the sin of his sons. And for Eli, in his accepting of their sins, there's no atonement for Eli nor his sons. There's no sacrifice that they can make where God will forgive them. Plainly put, there is no forgiveness for them. Samuel, he went back to bed until morning. And in the morning, he must tell Eli all his visions. He's got to tell his boss, his high priest, what God has shown him. Eli, he's, he's the high priest. He knows God has visited Samuel. And he does call the boy in. He calls him forth. And he says, tell me, Samuel, what the Lord said to you, and do not hide anything from me. Samuel, I want all the details. So Samuel tells Eli everything, and he hides nothing. Eli has a response, and he simply says, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Eli was warned first by the prophet of God, and now Eli is being chastised by a young servant boy right there in tabernacle that ministers to the Lord. Samuel's first prophetic word is to his boss, the high priest. And he's a little bit afraid to speak forth what God has showed him. But Samuel goes on. He knows God is with him. He knows the Lord was with him. But his first word, his first prophecy is a difficult one. You've got to go tell the high priest that judgment is coming against him. Samuel needs encouragement. Encouragement came from a strange place. It came from Eli himself. 
And he says, Eli says to Samuel, tell me what the Lord showed you. And don't be shy and don't withhold anything. That encourages Samuel. Even Eli acknowledges this word that has been given Samuel is from God. Samuel is simply a messenger from God. And he is faithful to give God's message to Eli. Prophetic words, prophecies, in the broad sense, is simply proclaiming the word of God. Samuel's message is not one of encouragement. It's one of judgment. God will judge your house, Eli, just like he said he would. In the gifting of the Holy Spirit, God will at various times show us, his people, things of spiritual consequence. Pay attention to those. And when God shows me and makes me aware of things that I am to warn a person about, I instantly make it an issue of prayer for that person. I will pray. I will intercede for that person because I know that if God wants me to talk to him, it's now an issue between God and them that he's having to bring in somebody else. Most of the time when I bother to pray or intercede for a person that God has put on my heart, praying for them in a specific way, a beautiful things happen, and I find it unnecessary to confront them on their sin, for God has already done that. And in those times, I rejoice. But on rare occasions, I find I must confront. And honestly, I don't like to confront. But it comes with the territory. You can't pick and choose what, calls, what God calls you to do. Samuel, he's lying in bed waiting for morning. And I doubt seriously that Samuel had any sleep that night knowing that he had to give forth his prophetic vision to Eli. He's got to tell Eli, the high priest, he's going to be judged by God. He's going to be judged for the sins of his sons because he didn't stop them. He didn't refrain them from their uh, behavior. Now, you can't get more personal than speaking judgment against a father and his sons. That's about as personal as it can get. Eli is the high priest. A man separated to God. A man who is not faithful to God at tabernacle. And God will no longer tolerate this out of Eli or his sons. So God calls a young boy. 
And he calls Samuel, this young boy, to be his messenger. He's got a word to speak to the high priest. And God will sometime call the likes of you and I to be a messenger to someone who's caught in sin. And it can be a difficult message. It's not always pleasant. Sometimes it can be to encourage, but many times it's to warn that person that judgment is coming. But Samuel, he is now God's prophet there at Shiloh. God honors Samuel by not allowing any of his prophetic words to fall to the ground. That's a poetic way of saying, I got your back, Samuel. <laughs> and if God has your back, and if God's going to enforce what you say, there's no fear for the messenger. In chapter 4, the first part of that first verse, and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Israel needed a prophet like Samuel, and God gives them one. Samuel goes on to be a great prophet. Samuel's beginning is very humble. He's a young boy. And he simply began his ministry to God by serving God. Samuel, at a very early age, learned to worship God. He ministered to God, not for God. And it blessed God. It blessed God that this young boy, Samuel, ministered to him in the midst of corruption and sin. When we worship God, when we minister to God through worship, he notices He's blessed by it. That's one of the few ways we can bless God is to worship God without wanting something in return. Simply to honor God for who he is, for his goodness. So, you want to hear from God? Be a worshiper. He will seek you out just like he sought out Samuel. Four times God calls to this young boy because he ministered to God. What a lesson for us there to simply be a worshiper. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Now, if you would like to have prayer for anything, there will be people in the prayer area that be more than happy to pray with you and agree with you in prayer. Take advantage of that as we pray for one another. But let me close this in prayer. Father God, I thank you that even though it says that Samuel didn't know you yet, you sought him out because he was ministering to you. And Lord, what a lesson for us to just minister to you through worship, through thanksgiving, through prayer, through just sitting at your feet, Lord, 
and observing how good you are. Let our worship be with a pure heart. Let us come before you, Lord, with with no agenda except to be near you. And then, Lord, we would pray if you if you have a word for us, if you have something you want to say to us, make it plain, make it clear to us, and we pray that you would speak to us. And let us be quick to obey, like Samuel was. Let us let us honor you with obedience, Lord, for your goodness to us. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.